Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Veronica Farmer. She is a motivational speaker, cranial sacral therapist, and the author of the best-selling book, Made Beautiful by Scars. Veronica seeks out interesting people all over the world to interview, people who have taken their life scars and become an inspiration, leaving a legacy that makes others and our world a better place. Her collection includes stories from eco-warriors, scientists, world-record athletes, actors, filmmakers, musicians, business geniuses, and more. These stories are combined with stories from everyday heroes who are also making a difference in the world as well. The stories are raw and real, and offer a peek into rich workings of vulnerable, scarred heart with intentions to healing our own. Made Beautiful by Scars is now a global story movement for change around how we see our life scars. Veronica is joining us from Brisbane, Australia. She and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and passion in helping others through Made Beautiful by Scars. Good morning, Veronica. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing so great. Thank you for inviting me on. Fantastic. Wonderful. It is exciting to have you on the air with me. I am excited to learn about you and your passion in helping others with Made Beautiful (laughs) by Scott. So let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Well, I guess my life was pretty privileged as a child. I grew up in a beautiful town by the sea in New Zealand, a place called Auckland. And uh, my family, my father worked in the airlines, so we travelled a lot and had lots of wonderful adventures. So life was life was pretty good. You know, I went to good schools. Um, I seemed pretty happy, although I think when I look back now, um, because I think my life is kind of divided into the before I got sick and then after um, I got better. I look back and I see this quite anxious child that was always so very concerned about what other people thought. And that was my primary sort of feeling, I think, throughout any day was how can I uh, behave in a way that will make me, um, you know, acceptable. And that was, a, that was the main thing. So that led me on through to university. Um, I did a master's degree in history and English because I loved stories and loved mm-hmm. research. And uh, and so that that very sort of, you know, standard life, really. I, um, I met a, a very handsome man when I was 20 and, and fell deeply in love with him. And uh, we uh, had this sort of fairy tale wedding. But I think I was um, pulling along a not so, uh, you know, happy, handsome prince there. So... That didn't end too well, but I had had a beautiful little girl at the end of that, and um, and that's been such a such a delicious gift. Um, but you know, from there I worked into the world of pharmaceuticals and laboratory science, and um, I loved that world. It was full of research and learning. 
um, and we would work very, very hard. It was quite a stressful environment. And, um, you know, we'd party harder. So I think internally what was going on in me was, you know, this, this woman that was very stressed, quite anxious, um, and, you know, just going right at both ends, I think, as a person, and never really stopping to think, how do I feel? Why am I here? And, um, you know, what's this life all about? Mm-hmm. And that's really how I think I was before um, before I got I became ill. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was a very interesting way of living. Mm. <laughs> so you were mentioning about the fact that somehow earlier in life you were already looking at some sort of spiritual questions. How did that transpire mm. to who you are today, and obviously what led you to the study of? craniosacral therapy mm. well I, I think you know I my, my main focus was um, being an acceptable human so although I had this sort of deep feeling towards spirituality that often I would feel when I sang my, I came from a family of singers my grandfather was an opera singer and I'd watch him and he'd just get lost really in spirit when he sang and mm-hmm. so when I sang I felt that but I think the rest of the time I was a walking head, Johnny. I kind of just all, everything was what makes sense out of my head. But what led me onto that world of craniosacral therapy only really happened after um, I was, I had no other choice. I, I mean, I'd been working in that sort of medical and laboratory science world. And then when I was told that I was dying, um, I had to go and find another way to be because that, that did not have any answers for me. Uh, I wanted to explore how uh, you could learn how to support the emotional part of the human body and make some sense as to why and how that led people to be ill. So for me, um, after I got better, I was fascinated to find out all the different modalities that were available to explore that world, you know, from mindfulness Mm -hmm. and meditation to yoga. And then I came across an amazing Frenchman who taught me this modality, craniosacral therapy, and that completely changed uh, changed my world, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Mm. How is craniosacral therapy different from other types of body energy healing? Well, yeah, um, what I love about it is that the human soul really doesn't want to be advised or fixed or told. You know, um, Mm -hmm. it simply wants to be unconditionally accepted, seen and heard and I guess companioned exactly as it is. And craniosacral therapy makes that kind of deep respectful opportunity to sit and listen to another person and hear them. Uh, from a place of profound calm. So as a craniosacral therapist, you're trained to enter a place of very deep, wide nervous system calm. And for some reason, the person that you're with meets you there. I guess it's a little bit like when, say, you walk into a restaurant and there's a very angry person at the table next to you. All of a sudden, you, you know, your shoulders start to shrug, your heart starts to beat, and you start to feel anxious, don't you, within yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and so 
what I found wonderfully was that we can actually as humans do the exact opposite. When we go into a place of profound, deep, warm calm, we give that other person with us the permission to kind of drop all of their guards and their coats and their masks and just be this very sweet, gentle person. And in that place, they can safely lay down the things that are troubling them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lovely uh, treatment in that it doesn't uh, force any kind of, you know, story onto that person. So when you're, as a mm-hmm. craniosacral therapist, all you're doing is laying your hand so softly, so gently, about the weight of a 20-cent piece, really, under the neck of that person as they lay down or gently over their heart. And you're feeling uh, the rhythm of the body and it's such a light touch that you can deeply hear and feel uh, where there's any sort of heavy-held emotional blocks or even physical blocks through the body. And the only question you ask as a craniosacral therapist is, mm-hmm. is there another way this could be? Is this another? Is there another way that you could do this? And that's when you feel the person on the table. They tend to smile. They'll stretch, <laughs> and they'll go, ah, like a, you know, like a little puppy that you're patting. Um, <laughs> it's really rather beautiful, Johnny, because they just become the sweetest version of of humans. And because it's felt so deliciously through the body, when mm-hmm. they leave you, they tend to float in that and stay in that so it's not just going in and having an adjustment or something done um, and then off they go and go you know thanks doctor you fixed me they know they did it mm-hmm. so that's what I really love about it is that I'm witnessing them doing it rather than doing something to someone yeah fantastic who would benefit mm. from craniosacral therapy well, I work with um, pregnant mummies, um, brand new babies, all the way through to the elderly, uh, because I think everyone, you know, everyone, Johnny, has these moments in their life where something will sideswipe us, we'll have a, have a moment that's stressful or hurtful or painful, and our, mm-hmm. our mind will say, you know, um, okay, I understand that, and our emotions will say, all right, you know, it's been a while now, I'll, I'll forgive that. But the body is so different. It will store these moments in time, and it doesn't have a sense of time in the body. So it will have this moment in time sitting there in the tissues going, that day when that teacher looked at me that way, it made me feel foolish. And it will sit there, and I can feel it under my hands and almost uh, have this picture in my mind's eye of you know, a car mm-hmm. accident or a yell. And it's it's sitting there. So pretty much anybody really uh, does very well with this as a way to just unlock old stories in the body. And actually, you know, one of the areas that it works so beautifully is with veterans. Um, Because when they come back from war, talking about what they've seen, talking about what they've experienced is so very hard. And Mm -hmm. it's a lovely therapy for anyone that's got very deep suffering that can't really be talked about. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. My understanding is also you are really into fasting, and that's a pretty yeah. cool deal to do. So how is fasting tied into 
your mind, body, spirit work then? Well, I've always been really interested in exploring um, all these methods that humans have used over the centuries to um, find health and to find a deep healing within the emotional and spiritual and mental bodies. And, you know, because of my background in, in science, I love to tie Enough to tie things together that make sense for everyday people rather than perhaps, you know, just being a bit woo-woo over here and, and my, <laughs> my doctor or scientist friends look at me and go, um, what are you talking about? So I love to, love to combine, you know, those, those two things together. But, you know, fasting is something that's been used for many, many thousands of years as a way to kind of access what you're feeling deeply within. But what I was interested to find was a study a couple of years ago by the University of Southern California that clearly showed even with people that were um, immunocompromised and taking chemotherapy that they had this amazing clean-up after three days just on water. Uh, rebooted immune system, nervous system clean-up, um, new white cells, and their chromosomes, so all these amazing things are happening at the end of their chromosomes, just a, a deep clean-up as the body, because it can't use food, starts mm-hmm. looking around inside and says, oh, let's, let's tidy up, you know, what's going on within the body and, uh, and <laughs> get that cleaned up and use that as food, if you like. So fasting, yeah, yeah. to me, is something I'm very passionate about as a way to access not just the emotional um, side of the body because we use something like 70% of our energy to eat and digest Mm -hmm. food. And that's why we feel so tired after that big, delicious meal. Um, But, you know, if once a year you you decide, okay, let's do a spring clean here. Let's have a lovely clean up um, of what is inside this body and use these, you know, um, little extra layers of fat to feed me over the next few days. But more than that, what tends to come up with fasting is that we unpack a lot of our old stories and our old feelings that no longer serve us. And mm-hmm. so it's a lovely thing to do to um, just have a bit of a fresh start. And that's what I find when I take groups through fasting processes. Mm. Very interesting. How long does one have to fast in order to experience that sort of uh, spiritual movement within themselves? Well, I, there's something very special that happens on day two, Johnny. Um, day one, is, you know, I have a giggle with the people. I take groups away and, and mm-hmm. um, do fasting retreats here in beautiful Australia. But on day one, I, I say to them, look, my lovelies, I think you're probably still going to taste your butter chicken from the day before on day one. You're not really going to notice too much. <laughs> Um, and particularly on day one, when they go to bed on day one, that's when things start to change because the mind and the body are having such a huge internal cleanup that mm-hmm. they have these amazing dreams where they remember a lot of things that they really are ready to lay down. Uh, the next day is when they're quieter and very aware of feeling how the body is just processing and getting rid of all these toxins. So I think day two is when you definitely feel it. And day mm-hmm. three is funny. It's You're almost a little bit high. <laughs> you know, you feel <laughs> quite sassy and playful. Uh, and then, you know, it's, 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 quite, it's quite a wonderful thing, I think. The day two hurdle is, is fascinating, but day three... There's that real shift 
into a I get it kind of feeling. Mm. And so how long does it last? Well, I guess the thing is what you're doing is you're having a deep cleanup of what you've been storing in there that doesn't serve you. So mm-hmm. that's what I love about it in terms of protecting yourself from disease and and just getting rid of these stored bits of body fat. Because you're getting rid of about one to three kilos. I'm not quite sure what that is in pounds for my lovely friends over your side of the water. <laughs> um, a day, you're losing about one to three kilos a day and, and just good old not helpful fat. But, you know, in terms of how it lasts, what what happens to you is that you don't sort of not like yo-yo dieting where you you finish your fast and you're like right get me into you know the fast food place right now. Mm-hmm. What happens is that well the way that that I teach the fasting and, and run my retreats is that I also help people understand why we eat. Now eating, as you know, Johnny, is such a sacred and beautiful way to connect people to each other it is such Mm -hmm. a loving way for us to enjoy each other um the other side of that that i get a lot of um particularly ladies that that come to me is that Mm -hmm. there's a mindlessness sometimes with the way we eat we'll have a sense of sadness or something's a bit off or somebody you know was a bit mean and then there's Mm -hmm. a rush into the supermarket to grab the big box of chocolate ice cream or cookies, and then mm-hmm. it's all gone before they've even realized it. <laughs> so <laughs> what happens with fasting is that at the end of the three days, I, I always finish um, when we run our retreats, always finish it with the most delicious feast. And the feast is full of the most fresh and beautiful um, natural human food. And so they, they're sitting there, and there's no words in the smile as they go, oh, I can taste this. I can taste <laughs> everything. And <laughs> there's juice dripping down the chins. And there's just unbelievable joy as you remember why mm-hmm. food is so, so special and such a sacred thing to enjoy. So when mm-hmm. you leave, that stays. And that's what's different about yo-yo dieting because we're not um, – we're getting rid of those stories of shame and uh, mm-hmm. kind of embarrassment, I guess, around the way that we eat. We're, we're naming them and seeing <laughs> them, and that and that gives you the long-term benefits of how you eat after that. Very, very interesting. That's wonderful mm. information to know because I know that there are a lot of cultures out there that do fast, and of course, not to mention yeah. the Muslim culture fast for the whole 30 okay. days out of, well, they actually do. 28 days. It's the cycle of the moon. Yeah. And it's uh-huh. for spiritual reasons. And, of course, in many ways, it's for health as well. But there are a lot of other That's cultures right. that do fast, yeah. like you said, over mm. a period of two mm-hmm. to three days or a week and so forth. And it's sort of yes. like a going inward process to connect with your soul mm. self. You betcha. And, you know, it is a, it's a wonderful thing because, you know, the way that I talk to um, – that a lot of the people that I work with here, and we've obviously mm-hmm. in this type part of the world, we've got koalas in our trees. And mm-hmm. koalas are beautiful, furry little fellows, and they sleep all day long. And they get up probably about, you know, 15 minutes a day, they walk around, and then the rest of the time they're sleeping. And mm-hmm. the way I describe it to them is that these little creatures eat these very hard to digest leaves. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're sleepy all day, because their bellies are just trying to cope 
with this. Everything in them is being used to digest and get rid of this food. And we're a little bit the same. We, we have so much power within us that we use most of the day just to get the food through. And if we're not mm-hmm. doing that, if we are saying, okay, I'm going to take this, this window of intermittent fasting maybe a couple of times a week, what you'll notice is that you've got this extra space within you to feel and hear and um, really connect with the world around you and get wonderful ideas and thoughts. Uh, and I think, it's, I think it's actually the way that as humans we're made this way, to live this way, because we were hunter-gatherers for always. You know, we, we, we're not really meant to sit down and have 14 meals a day. <laughs> we're meant to have a little bit of a gap. Um, right. But a really right. easy way for people to do that and access that um, themselves is just to finish eating of an evening, say 7 o'clock that night, and then just say, look, I'm not going to eat again till lunchtime tomorrow. And that is enough of a gap to really begin some of these processes in the body and um, and to give you that space to access some of those lovely feelings within very, very interesting. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple, iTunes, Stitches Radio's Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Veronica Farmer. She's a motivational speaker, cranial sacral therapist, and the author of the best-selling Made Beautiful by Scars. We're having a conversation about her life's journey and passion in helping others through her Made Beautiful by Scars project. Veronica, let's talk about the book itself, End of Movement. Mm -hmm. What life's epiphany led you to the concept of Made Beautiful by Scars? Well, my biggest epiphany was where I think my life uh, changed into two pieces from the Mm -hmm. before I was sick until after I was sick. So um, a week before I was to be married for the second time, uh, I was told that I had cancer. And that I didn't just have you know, garden variety breast cancer, but they had found that I had cancer uh, through my spine and most likely through my lymphatic system. So that, that kind of changed everything about the way that I um, was and presented as, as a human being. It stopped time for me. And I had something really rather wonderful happen to me, which was a deep understanding at a very powerful level that the way I had been living this rushing, uh, self-obsessed, chasing, chasing life had led me to having a body that just had had enough. And in a heartbeat, I knew that if I could... uh, find that playfulness and find that sense of humor and calm and breathe, then um, something else would be there for me. And in fact, it did happen that way. I just jumped into this river of calm and playfulness and my body followed me. And what happens when we stress is that our immune system pretty much drops down to only about 30% of its power. So mine obviously had a reboot. And when they scanned me again, they found that the cancer was no longer in my spine. So that was what you call a spontaneous remission. It was very exciting. But it got me thinking about stories that 
I was carrying within this body that was making that were making me so sick, you know, the resentment mm-hmm. and the unforgiveness and the the just the just the sadness, the anxiety, the stress, and how these stories that I was carrying they weren't they they weren't great, but they had led me on this path of now I see. Now I understand, and I can use what I've learned here to help others. And as I looked at my own body and saw this big scar, you know, along my back, because I was able to actually, after all, have a surgery when they found that the cancer was no longer in my spine. And two weeks later, I was pregnant, and <laughs> that mm-hmm. dropped some mouths at the clinic, you can imagine. Um, yeah. You know, what I saw was that my scars actually had made me beautiful, had given me the opportunity to find a new way of life. And I kept hearing these words, you know, um, in meditation and feeling into it, made beautiful by scars. I'd spent my whole life trying to avoid doing the wrong thing. And -hmm. yet I realized that our scars sometimes are the very thing and our mistakes and our failures, the very thing that can lead us to beauty and sweetness and abundant ability to love and care for other people. So that's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it just stayed with me um, really, really strongly. And I started to write my own story down because I, I knew that many of the women that I was seeing at the time were uh, had just been diagnosed with cancer and they needed to hear some good news stories. Um, but as I started to write these stories, something really funny kept happening over and over again. As I started writing down what I had gone through, I'd start to chat to people and say, look, I'm starting to write my story. And they'd go, I've got a story. <laughs> and I go, really? And they go, yes, I do. I thought, well, someone's got to collect them. And so that's what began, that's what began my process of collecting these stories. Fantastic. So when did mm-hmm. that collection, so to speak, mm-hmm. became a passionate movement for you to create something mm-hmm. even greater in terms of uh-huh. having a book published? Yeah. Well, what I did was I um, I wrote my story out and I was particularly fascinated by the fact that women that I came across, you know, mothers and, and lots of different types of women, they were so concerned with showing this particular image of not being a bad mother or not, you know, failing or, or not doing things in the wrong way. So when this woman was sharing with me their, you know, embarrassments and difficulties and challenges from infertility to infidelity to right across the board, um, I, I just thought it was so loving that they would share these things because not many women do that. And so I collected these stories as a group of women's stories together, and they're quite raw and very mm-hmm. real, um, but all with, and they, none of them were poor me stories. They went, well, you know, this happened and life is terrible. They all <laughs> had, <laughs> and that's what I'm passionate about, they all had the tough thing, and then mm-hmm. they all said, and this is what it's given me. This is what, where I have found a new lease on life and, and uh, joyfulness and a way to love other people. So I pulled those group of stories together called May Beautiful by Scars, uh, Raw Woman Stories, and put that together, and that became a book. And then mm-hmm. the day that 
that went off to be published, I went, right, it's men's time. I need some men's stories. <laughs> started to collect. Yes. And, you know, that wasn't quite so easy, Johnny, I have to say, because I would, um, you know, I'd, I'd be on social media or I'd be watching a TV show or something. And I go, oh, that person's clearly had some kind of life scar or challenge and then wow look what they're doing I would love to share their story and I'd reach out and be very cheeky you know this strange mm-hmm. random woman from Australia um, <laughs> can I can I can I you know can I hear your story and then can I help you write it can we write it together and then share it with the world and they go oh um oh nah, no <laughs> no and then many would say yes 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 let's do it And this delightful thing would happen as we spoke together and collected the story together that they also remembered why and how their life scars had led them on this path to helping people in so many more ways, you know. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's it's been a wonderful journey and that became May Beautiful by Scars Transformation Stories, which is an e-book which I've got out and I'm in the process now of turning that into a, you know, a book that people can actually hold in their hands. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the ebook's done very well out there, and you know, it's, it's such an eclectic bunch of people. It's been wonderful to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. You had mentioned that you started out with the women made beautiful by scars, real women mm-hmm. stories, and then it yes. evolved yes. to made beautiful by scars book one. And so yeah. that's a huge jump. And in seeing mm-hmm. how successful Made Beautiful by Scars book one is, it is a bestseller, mm-hmm. obviously. How mm-hmm. did you manage to get all these people from all over the world to contribute to book <laughs> I one? I think it's being cheeky, Johnny. It's being cheeky. <laughs> uh, as you know, I tracked you down. Um, and this is, you know, because I wanted your story. I don't know. There's something that's it's what I call... Um, I guess God's cheeky nudge, you know, not not in any kind of religious way, but just that sweet, loving nudge that you can feel. You know, sometimes when mm-hmm. you're out and about and you can see someone and they're struggling, and so you just get this little nudge to go over and go, you're okay. Well, it's the same kind of nudge. I'll be reading something or or watching something, and this nudge will go, come on, ask them. They've got a story, you know they do. And there may be someone that's doing something fabulous in the world and they've never shared their scars. They've just told everyone how, um, they've just lived it. They've just proven it by being this person that's gone out and done wonderful, brave things. Um, but for so many people out there who suffer because they think they're not mm-hmm. good enough or they never can, I want people to know how people got to where they are. So that's why I'll, I'll reach out and and, you know, what's, what's lovely is that once you get a story from somebody, say that they're, they're quite well-known or, you know, and say in the athletic mm-hmm. circles, then they, that's very easy then to ring another person and go, so I've just got a story <laughs> from such and such. And I'm not your classic journalist. I'm not looking for dirt. I'm not looking for a way to hurt you. What I will do is we'll talk. And then I'll write it, and then you can read it. And then we can play with it together so that you are happy, but it must show your raw heart. And so that's how I've been able to get these stories from really interesting, 
characters from all around the world, you know, from all parts and segments of society. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm. So please share mm. with us the contributors to book one. Well, there's so many, so I, I probably won't go through every single one of them, but I would love to mm-hmm. share just some snippets of some of some sure. of the most um, beautiful people. The book opens with um, a man by the name of Mo Galdat. Now, he is an incredible human being. He was only just resigned as the chief business officer for the, you know, incredible business called Google X. Um, and so, you know, top of the tree man in terms of the business world. Uh, but he had written a book called Soul for Happy which was an amazing story that he'd written only 17 days after his beautiful 19-year-old son had passed away suddenly. And it's such a a terrible life scar for someone to go through. Probably, I think, one of the worst life scars that you can experience is losing somebody that you love. And for someone Mm -hmm. to lose a child is is very, very tough. Um, and so it was a very cheeky thing to reach out to this incredible man, but I think that's a, a testament to the warmth of him and the generosity of spirit that he actually took my call and gave me his story um, of how he had been a highly anxious man, um, very, very driven, um, mm-hmm. quite angry at times. You know, he, he stated that he was your classic strong businessman um, raised in Egypt, Worked very hard, beautiful wife, two children, but work, 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 work. And one day he noticed that he could buy a couple of Rolls Royces in in just one day because he felt like it and there was no joy in it. No joy. Didn't matter how much money he had, how much success he had, there wasn't joy there. Um, So as an Egyptian man, he, he, he giggles and says, look, I couldn't go off and hang out in an ashram and try and find my heart or I couldn't. Because my culture doesn't allow that, I had Mm -hmm. to just inhale every book I could find and try and find a way. And so he did. He just he read everything he could find, um, and has come up with this incredible simple solution for happiness, based in using his you know engineering mind. And so it's a very simple tool. And that book. he hadn't written a book. He just had these ideas, and he was starting to practice them in his own life. And, and as a Middle Eastern man, you know, he'd fly into the States mm-hmm. all the time working for the company that he worked for and was always detained at the airports. And he found that he could sit there and, and be detained and meet that with such grace and sweetness, no aggravation, and calmly and beautifully just sort of wander off into his meetings. <laughs> um, you know, and... That was because he'd found this wonderful way of um, finding happiness. For me, hearing his story of how he'd gone through immense suffering and then turned that into a way of learning was fascinating. But more so with this man, in losing his son, he said he could have sat and howled in a room for the rest of his life and waited to die. Or Mm -hmm. his son had actually done something incredible. He'd sat with him just a few days before he passed and said, Dad, I love you, but you've got to go and love the world in a bigger way. And those words just stayed with him. And in those days after his son passed, he started to write down what he knew. And now his book is just a multiple bestseller. 
so many countries all around the world, and he's on a mission to touch a billion souls with it mm-hmm. out of his car. And so for me, that's such an incredible example of how you know our own personal life scar of living in a way that's self-serving, in a way that's um, just unhappy and sad, and then a very big scar can then lead us on a journey to find immense beauty. So that's just one of the writers, and we've got writers who are, you know, um, in the movie industry, um, athletes, a lot of Paralympians, all sorts of incredible um, beings that uh, it's been such a joy to talk to. Um, absolutely love some of these stories that uh, that uh, come across my path every every day. It's it's astounding what people have lived through, and then what mm-hmm. they've made that mean to touch touch so many souls. Very interesting. What was the most compelling theme you learned from your interviews with all these individuals? I think the most compelling theme is the incredible beauty of the human spirit that we are really humans, quite gentle souls. We really are. And as life goes on, we are assailed by different traumas, different things that hurt us. And it's a little bit like that that old story, you know, there's two men sitting in a bar and one of, and one of them is obviously very downbeat and been in trouble and life is bad for him. And the other one is very successful and wonderful and has a happy life. And they ask both of them, you know, well, why? Why has your life turned out this way? And both of them say together, my father. And these men are brothers. So you can either make your scars your reason to remain a victim mm-hmm. and the reason for your life to turn out bad, or you can make your scars lift you to find what you truly are. You know, I think sometimes we have to know what we're not in order to know what we are. And that that helps you be kinder to yourself about the times when we were less than we could have been. You know, I do that with my own life. I look back and I think, I I don't now really recognize that young woman that was so self-obsessed and anxious and stressed out and judgmental. And I feel sad that she lived that way. But then if she hadn't have done that, Maybe mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's a theme of of growth and the beauty of the human spirit. Very, very interesting. You're listening to From My mm. Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radios, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Veronica Farmer. She is a motivational speaker, cranial sacral therapist, and the author of the best-selling book, Made Beautiful by Scars. We're having a conversation about her life's journey and passion in helping others through her Made Beautiful by Scars project. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Veronica, how would readers mm-hmm. benefit from reading Made Beautiful by Scars? Well, what people are telling me when they read this book is that there's a lot of smiles, there's a lot of aha moments and me too, oh my gosh mm-hmm. moments, you know, where you read it and go, oh, wow, I, I did that. I've had, <laughs> I've felt that. Oh. And because I think we do tuck away those feelings. And so for people to actually talk about them and to say, look, you know, I, I went through this. I, I had the situation, you know, where, 
um, you know, my partner left me and it was heartbreaking or I had this situation that I lost my job or whatever it was that people went through. To be able to talk about it, it's really healing for those who read it. And I get a lot of um, correspondence, emails and messages in from people all over the world saying, thank you, I've, I've been struggling with this and, and I thought I was the only one in the world, you know. And mm-hmm. that's, that's why I think it's so helpful to read these stories because it helps you know that whatever you've got going on for you, you're going to get through it. You're going to get through mm-hmm. it. You just put one foot in front of the other and you put back your shoulders and you put on a little cheeky Mona Lisa smile and you're going to be okay no matter what. While you're walking, while you're alive, there's always another way you can be. Very, very interesting. Where can someone go to buy your books and get more information about Made Beautiful by Scars and also about your therapy practice? Well, the books are available on Amazon. So if you look up Made Beautiful by Scars, Transformation Stories, you'll be able to read these stories by men and women. It's an e-book present. Um, if I get enough uh, e-books uh, picked up out there, then absolutely. I'm in the process now of, of having a book that people can hold in their hands. So you can grab that off Amazon easily. Um, in terms of getting in touch with me, I, I do work with people all over the world. So with my therapy that I do, I don't have to have someone sitting right next to me, which is really nice. I had a lady ring me last week, and she's an American, and she was actually in an Indian ashram, and it wasn't working for her. <laughs> and so she rang me and said, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've spent all this money, and I'm at this place, and, and I just can't find calm. Just sitting in this room quietly is not working for me. And so what I do is I get people to just sit quietly, put the phone next to them or lay down, and I can calm them and talk with them about it. So people can find me at veronicafarmer.com.au, and that's how you can find me for the craniosacral work, whether that's in person or um, wherever you are in the world. And we get a lot of people that, that come down here and just take the time out to take three days and fast their bodies and also do the craniosacral work with me and my partner who is a fantastic uh, life coach and wise soul and we just hold space for them to have a reboot and have a rethink and find that little sweet playfulness within because I think that's we've got to get back to that that's at the heart of finding our beauty wonderful how has writing made beautiful by scars impacted you personally I think for me, um, it was really tough to start to write my story because there's, there's some embarrassment, there's some sense of humiliation, um, there's discomfort sharing some of the things that have happened in your life, you know, uh, that are tough that women don't normally talk about and people don't normally talk about. But what I noticed when I started writing my own story, and that's, that's there, um, it healed me. I suddenly had all this space within that was now available to truly live because I wasn't carrying around these old stories that I was a bit uncomfortable about. Um, Sharing what I was able to find out about health through my journey um, of research into what makes us truly healthy 
um, that was important for me to share because I was doing that so often with people one-on-one. They were going, how? How did you get here? Why are you healthy when so many of us are not? What do you know? So for me, it was it was vital that I shared that message as well. Uh, but I think it's just really good for us to know as humans that we can fail and then come back up again. Um, but for me personally, I'm just, it's been tough at times writing and collecting these stories um, because it does touch you deeply emotionally, but it's it's been such a great journey. I'm really glad I, I did it. And, you know, I never know where the world's going to take me next and what story I'm going to talk about next, but it's a great way to live. It's never boring, Johnny. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Do you find that hearing someone else's story gives you the validation and the strength and energy, so to speak, that's been transferred to you and make you even stronger? You know, there's something um, so touching that happens when you're talking to someone uh, about this story. There's this another story I'd love to share with you by a man called Damien Manda. Now, this man was like a walking, breathing Terminator. This mm-hmm. man worked for the Australian uh, Army, and he was a SAS guy, and he was a he was a Terminator. That was his job, a mercenary, traveling the world, did all these tours, and unbelievable man, and and huge big muscles and big tattoos on him, and just a very angry, violent man. And mm-hmm. watching his story, hearing his story, how he was able to um, go to Africa and then connect one day with what was happening to the elephants and the rhinos. And how then he decided to become a warrior to heal animals. Um, you know, and then this big brave man, and to hear the tears running down his cheeks as he's talking to me from Africa mm-hmm. about how touched he'd been in finding his true life path, even though he'd been this other thing. You know, one of the worst ways of being a human, he'd then become one of the most beautiful ways of being a human. So it deeply does touch you, and it, it, it's, um, it's a real buzz you know, to hear these stories of how people can be the worst of things and become the most beautiful of things. Very, very interesting. You know, and this man now, yeah, amazing. This man now is is, is reaching people all across the world and, you know, the, one of the, the main people that is conserving rhinos and elephants on our planet now. So we can truly become anything if we just put our energy in the right direction. Has that process that you started out from the very beginning about Made Beautiful by Scars sort of evolved from the original idea. Yeah, Yeah, it does. And that's life, isn't it? I mean, we layer different (laughs) things every single day. You know, we do. And so when um, I was still collecting stories, I'm still very interested in stories of how people have evolved past their life scars. And I think Mm -hmm. I always will be. Uh, but how it's evolved out further, I think after talking to Damien about the animals, I realized that there were people out there that have been made so beautiful by their connection and intense passion to support the natural world. And so I started collecting stories made beautiful by nature, and so I'm in the process of building two books at the moment, this one, the nature one, where I've talked to shark whisperers, Lion whispering, a very amazing man, a very well-known man, Kevin Richardson, who um, who can actually sit and roll around with lions, and um, is well loved for the work that he does with protecting and saving lions. 
I wanted to be able to share some good news stories about how people were doing the things that were great for our natural world. We're making that part of our world beautiful because we Mm -hmm. hear so many sad stories today about that we're losing this species and our waterways are having these troubles. So to collect these good news stories, if, if I had an audience that was going to listen and read, then I really want them to hear some good news stories as well and ways that they can in their apartments in, in Amsterdam or London or New York or wherever they are, um, what they can do. Because often I think people don't have a clue. They go, oh my goodness, all these things are happening in the world. I don't know what to do. Let's just turn the television on, you know? Right, um, right. But it, what I've asked from each of these writers, where, you know, these world leading people in these different areas of nature, please give me one thing, small thing, that people <laughs> can do in their own homes. It helps you feel better, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to know that you're sharing that kind of message. And the other, uh, the other book that I'm working on, and, and I warmly welcome any of um, these lovely listeners out there to share if they've got one, because I know people have these stories, is how people have experienced a near-death experience and what they've noticed about how their life has changed as a result. Because these are fascinating stories of how in the sliding doors moment, you know, you're on a motorbike and then you're off it. And then these people have had to be revived and brought back. And then what they see, what they feel, and uh, what they now know in their life after having had an experience like that. So I'm looking mm-hmm. for more stories. <laughs> if you've got one, reach out. <laughs> Wonderful. How has yeah. the overall process, and we talk about how it impacted you personally when you first wrote the first book. Mm-hmm. Looking back at your life, would yeah. you have changed anything? Oh, I think I'm a, a pretty introspective person, Johnny, and, and I have moments of, of angst where I look back and go, oh, wow, did I really say that to that person? I could have been so much kinder. Um, and Because I think every day I try and think that I can leave people better than I found them. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, offer people a, a cheeky nudge to, to finding more sweetness. So, you know, I think just like anyone else, you look back and you go, wow. But at the same time, I know that if I hadn't been that and gone to the very bottom of that, you know, the bottom of of being a sort of self-obsessed person, a busy, busy, rushing, rushing woman, then I wouldn't have got as sick as I did. And then I wouldn't have had the realizations that I now have. So, you know, I think it's been it's been a great because otherwise I could have had a very vanilla life and just kept on going <laughs> and maybe never have had any of these delicious experiences and wonderful ways to share these tales um, that I have. So I'm very grateful for the the tapestry of life, even though some of the bits are a little bit frayed <laughs> that mm-hmm. come into life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. That's wonderful because a lot of times people will want to go back and say, "Well, if I have done this, I would have gone that way, and if I've done that, I've mm-hmm. gone this way." And mm-hmm. a lot of times you find that you are where you need to be today is because of the things you've done yeah. before, and it's great. Mm. And not all of those are great. You know, not all of those are good things <laughs> that you did. 
And, um, you know, I think we're fascinated by stories of people that have risen out of places and then um, become something else. And, right. and uh, yeah, I think, you know, um, that's something that I'll, I'll continue to work on personally and, and I help mm-hmm. people do it every day is be sweet to yourself. You only did the best that you had with what you had, the tools you had at the time. So if you weren't fully developed in your ability to be empathetic or kind, if you didn't understand that you had food that you could eat next week, then of course you were going to behave in the ways that you behaved then. Let's be sweet to that person. Let's forgive that person that you once were because it's led you to where you are now. And where you are now um, is a very beautiful opportunity to begin again. And it, it, you know, I think it's so important to, to to maybe look at your body like this beautiful apartment looking out over the ocean. I'm currently looking out at the beautiful ocean here in the Gold Coast <laughs> of Australia, um, and it's gorgeous. And, you know, your body's this uh, like a, a building, a beautiful, say, an apartment building looking out at the sea. Do you want that room to be clear and ready to open the curtains and see the sunlight on the sea? Or is it so full of antiques, like these stories that we carry? Oh, he did this, she did that to me. They sit within you like ugly antique statues. Don't mm-hmm. keep them there. You know, be uh, forgive them. Let them go and then throw them off the balcony because you don't need them. <laughs> you know, we must continually know that every day that we wake up is a fresh start it's a new life it really is a new life every single day and we get the opportunity to reinvent ourselves rather than waking up going oh look what i did yesterday it's important (laughs) to know you have a fresh start every day when you put a smile on your face and go out and meet the world how has your family received the new you oh that's a question, Johnny. Um, look, something that I do notice and something that I've spoken to all of my writers about is how mm-hmm. people handled the old you versus the new you. Now, there's always some discomfort with those who love you the most because they're used to you being a certain way. And when you deviate from that and start right. to become something else... Um, as you can imagine, say for someone like Damien Mando, who was this crack shot fighter, um, mm-hmm. hanging out in coke dens in South America, and then all of a sudden a champion vegan for animals, a few of his friends might have dropped away, huh? You know, you, you do <laughs> lose people when you transform, when you shift and move. It's normal for some of those people around you to become uncomfortable because their identity is so closely aligned to yours. And they're afraid if you move, they're going to have to move. So it is something that I advise a lot of people that I work with. As you shift, some people might not like it. Do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Do it anyway. The people who really uh, love you for being all that you can be will walk with you. Some will disappear for a while. And the sweet, sweet thing is many will come back. If you give them enough time, um, to to get used to you and also to be on their own journey. They'll come back, they'll circle on back and catch up with you at some point and go, hey, so I'm um, sorry that was a little bit uh, rude. Um, I've been on my own journey and uh, well done, you're doing good. And you'll half <laughs> smile and be on your way. <laughs> That's true. You know, 
Very think, true. Yeah, that's, I'm sure that you've experienced that and, and anyone that is continuing to push and grow, um, mm-hmm. it can be tough for people to stay with you because you just keep moving, you keep shifting and changing. So mm. true. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour since our show is about people, family, and living life. Would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? I think if I'm if I'm really thinking about what the recipe is for living a, a healthy, joyful life, it's to just firstly stop taking things so seriously. Um, know that every day you have a fresh start. And what you think and what you feel is creating your reality. So rather than being mean to yourself if you find you're having negative thoughts or feelings, just simply ask yourself, is there really another way that this can be? How can I allow more joy into my life? And that beginning conversation will change so much. We also, all of us, need to be more aware about what we put in and around our bodies um, in terms of what we're eating, in terms of what we're ingesting, um, because these products, you know, standard manufactured products can often have a lot of chemicals that can create more stress within you. And stress is a real issue. Mm -hmm. So if you can calm and settle your body, eat a more natural human experienced life um life is good you know but playfulness i think is at the heart of it wonderful that's fantastic veronica thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on from my mama's kitchen talk radio to all our listeners please join me next tuesday morning may 8th my guest will be lily sandras she is a dancer tv and film actress broadway performer a life coach and the author of Truth to Triumph, a spiritual guide to finding your truth. Lily and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and passion in transforming the lives and hearts of women across the nation. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Veronica, it has been a true pleasure. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much, Johnny, for inviting me on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Brilliant. Take care, Johnny. Thanks again. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.